Hey, Javier, how are you? I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much, Jackie, for having me on your show. I've been wanting to uh, be a guest for a long time. I have a movie, and I I'm I want you to talk about your podcast, Pretend, but I have a movie that you, as someone who love con artists, I think has probably seen many times that I've never, ever seen before. <laughs> all right. I've seen them all, right? Every con artist movie, so hit me. The movie is Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, like... Thank God you've never seen it. <laughs> no, I'm so glad that's the movie. I I cannot believe that you haven't seen it because it's a classic. I mean, it's one of my favorite Steve Martin movies and my favorite con movie. Yeah. So all I know about this film is that it's about some sort of con and obviously Steve Martin. So I hope it's very, very funny. Those are my my two things I know about this film. <laughs> Well, you know, it doesn't surprise me that you haven't seen it, although I've heard your show and I'm kind of shocked at the things that you haven't seen. So <laughs> I'm so glad that we're actually having an opportunity to introduce you to Dirty Rotten Scoundrels because it's a classic in my book. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, I'm going to go hopefully not get conned by Steve Martin and I'll let you know what I think. <laughs> Welcome to Jackie Watches Stuff. This is a podcast chronicling my cinematic quest to finally watch the movies I probably should have already seen, and I'm bringing my friends along with me. So, Javier, I I have survived, I guess. I did not end up stealing the $50,000, but that was a great experience. <laughs> Isn't that movie awesome? I wow. Mean, I I loved it. I feel like I've learned so much uh, about being a con artist just by watching Steve Martin do a lot of physical comedy. So, I mean, what I love about this movie is it's a con on con film, you know? So it's not yes. just one con artist. It's like two con artists going at it. Which so is many amazing. layers. So yeah. many layers. Uh, before we get into this plot, I want you to talk about your podcast because when I saw that this movie was about like a con artist, I kind of giggled and was like, oh, maybe Javier will really like this. But this feels almost very true to life based on the stuff that you've covered in Pretend. Yeah. I mean, we could have watched any con artist movie, right? And most of them are not comedies, but I'm so glad that we're talking about this one because even though it is a comedy, there are a lot of things that real con artists do that you see on this film, which is amazing. And and like you said, my show is called Pretend and I, I've, it's basically a big giant case study on con artists. Like every episode, I interview somebody pretending to be someone else. So sometimes they're con artists, sometimes they're not. Like they could be uh, undercover agents. Um, I have uh, Joe Pistone who played Donnie Brasco, or actually who was the real Donnie Brasco on the show coming up. And even though he's a good con artist, he's still a con artist. He's using deception. And so it was really interesting to see all the deception in this movie. Did you feel like on a scale of one to 10, like how accurate were these cons that they were playing up? Like, have you met people that have faked a younger brother who's very obnoxious in order to shake them from their lives? <laughs> I think obviously this movie was exaggerated, you know, for the, for the sake of being funny, but also for the sake of being a movie. I think every con man's dream is to have the long con, which is one of the things that th this movie explores. And the long con is a con that just lasts forever. It's, it's to this pretty much, uh, 
disarm the the mark. The mark has no idea that they're being played because it's lasting for so long. And 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 then the the con artist is almost like a chess player and he's very calculated with each move. That in my experience is really rare. Most cons and most con artists are opportunists, right? They they strike when they see an opportunity and they're not as smart as we give them credit for. So would you rate maybe Steve Martin's character was the quick the quick to act, whereas Lawrence was a little more sophisticated and, and thoughtful? Yeah, I would attacks. I would say that most con artists are the Steve Martin character character who <laughs> who prey on your sympathy, you know. Mm-hmm. And and Steve Martin in the film, you know, in the opening scene when you see him for the first time, he's in a train and he's telling this lady the sob story about you know his life, and she feels so bad for him that she's like, "Hey, I'll buy you whatever you want to eat," and he orders like everything on mm-hmm. the menu, you know. And that's him. I mean, they're not that overt i think in real life but i do think that a big um tactic for a con artist is to prey on your emotions and your sympathy you know and and the fact that most people are really genuinely good people you know and they don't Mm -hmm. want to see somebody suffer and so that's that's classic well, and ultimately, I mean, we're jumping all the way to the end of this film, but it's funny you say it like that because ultimately, Lawrence, of all people, gets kind of sympathetic for Janet, who is playing the long, long con on that yes. with that exact same tactic in mind. That's so funny that you say it that way. Yeah, because, you know, at the beginning of the film, you hear that there's this con artist that came to southern France by the name of the Jackal. You know, mm-hmm. and everybody just assumes that it was Steve Martin because he's this American yeah. coming to Southern France. But it turns out that it was Janet, the character who was supposed to be the Mark. She was playing them the entire time and she was playing them for sport, too, you know, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. awesome. Oh, my gosh. Too funny. Well, OK, before we spoil the entire thing, um, I owe you a 30 second recap of this con on con action. So I will you time me? Let's do it. Hold on. Right, count me in. I got my timer because you you said that in your notes, and I actually did want to time it. Oh in. yeah, this is a big yeah. this is a big deal. It's an honor to be the guest that times me and either tells me, "Oh, you went too long," or cuts me off midstream. It's up to you on how All you right. want to play it. I'll see. I'll see how it goes. <laughs> your mark, get set, go. Okay, so there's this dude. His name is Lawrence. He's a con man, and he scams only super rich women and then meets this guy, Freddie, who scams pretty much anybody. And Lawrence worries because he hears that there's another con artist in the area, and he's trying to get in on his territory, so he tries to kick out Freddie. But instead, they kind of team up, and they make a bet on who can get $50,000 from this soap queen from America. Freddie tries to get all the sympathetic stuff because his legs are numb, but Lawrence finds out and pretends to be a psychiatrist. But then a bunch of antics ensues, and ultimately, the soap queen wasn't rich, and she was the con man the whole time. Ooh, you came in under 30 seconds. Yes. Impressive. 29.6. Oh, what a great day. Yeah. What a great day. I, I'm actually really impressed. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you so much. I've been I've been practicing for three seasons now and only sometimes I get it right. So <laughs> thank you so much. Yes, this was a great, great, great movie. I am so glad that I was able to watch it. Um, even though I know a lot of folks haven't seen this, so super sorry we're spoiling the whole thing. We kind of already spoiled the whole plot, but yeah, um, whatever. See yeah. it anyway. It's, it's it's worth it. it. It's so good. 
It's so, so good. You know, uh, my kids are actually, I was watching it again right before this. Yeah. <laughs> my kids are currently watching the rest of it right now. <gasps> oh my gosh. <laughs> like how as old are we they? speak. Uh, nine and 11. And so, you know, it's pretty safe for kids. Yeah. I mean, there's that one penis joke and like there, there's really not that yeah. much in this. No, this is pretty fine. And even the suit, like, you know, the implied sex scene, you don't see anything, which shocked me. I really thought we were going to see a little, a little more intimate moments, but we just see her laying on the bed and then the scene's over. So that's right. That's pretty safe. Well, here we go. Kid tested. Javier approved. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I read All that this was. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say all the parents listening are judging me, but it's all right. No, we've, I mean, some folks have been on the show and said they listened to Pulp Fiction when they were 10 or watched Pulp Fiction. So, you know, anything's possible. Uh, But I read that uh, Michael Caine was nominated for a Golden Globe for this and didn't win, which I feel like is really sad. Mr. Tom Hanks was the one that won for Big. Again, again, Tom Hanks coming in, coming in hot. What an award hog, you know? I know. Well, I think he deserved it. I know. I love Tom Hanks. But I did read that like a ton of different people were supposed to be in this movie. Like they were supposed to be the Freddie Lawrence team up. I did see, I'm sure you probably saw Mick Jagger and David Bowie were the original cast idea. What? I would love to see that movie. And, And it was because of after they did that awesome music video dancing in the streets i did watch that, that before we got like, <laughs> did you really have you seen yes. have you seen the the version where they take the music out and then they just overdub no. what they're saying oh my god jackie oh gosh i gotta find insert it insert it into this like okay it is so funny. we will yeah. find this hey folks sean your producer here we absolutely did not find this because this is an audio medium but you could find it on youtube good luck that is it feels a little horrifying, but I need to do it. So we will yeah. find this audio list. We'll just, Let me tell it's you, just the words. It, no, it's like they basically stripped the audio and then they overdubbed Mick Jagger's noises and lyrics oh, and, and David Bowie. It is so funny. Oh my gosh. So okay. That's terrifying, but I need to watch it. Yeah, so it's the funniest the thing I'll say all year. It, well, now I'm kind of horrified because hearing David Bowie noises... We'll see how that goes. <laughs> but they were supposed to be, I don't even know if this movie could have been pulled off by them. I don't, I don't know their acting chops, but Steve Martin, you can't touch him in this movie. Yeah. Great. I don't, I don't think so. And then did you hear that John Cleese was supposed to be the Michael Caine role? I did. And as much as I love Monty Python and the gang, I still am, am pretty okay with the, the select, the ultimate selection here. Me too. I think so. Because um, imagine if you would have had Steve Martin and John Cleese, it would have been, t- even though John Cleese kind of plays a straight man, they're they're both really funny people. And mm-hmm. I feel like the fact that Michael Caine is not funny <laughs> at all, I think that works though. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't he, have two funny guys. Right. He needed to be, I don't think John Cleese would have been able to hold back enough to be this the straight shooter. And it just wouldn't have I don't think it would have gone well. I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think they both did great. The movie opens with Mr. Michael Caine uh, basically getting a pearl necklace. And it's like a very confusing – I mean, looking back now, it's a very not a very confusing scene. But in the opening, it's like, what's happening? There's a right. woman who's offering her pearls off her neck for the children. But it turns out this is just one of his many scams on, mm-hmm. uh, on rich women, which is very funny. And did and, you like the fact that he has a posse 
you know, like, oh my gosh, he's got all his, yeah, his whole crew lined up. So that's actually what I meant to ask you. So he's kind of operating with his little crew and without them, I don't think he'd be a successful con artist, but I feel like of all, and now I'm an expert obviously, because I listen to pretend. And so I know everything now, but I feel like of all the cons that you've kind of covered lately, they all seem to be solo operations. Do you find that there's no crews? I mean, I haven't done like a poll on like con artists, but I mean, most <laughs> really? of the guys, so weird. <laughs> most of the guys that I, or gals that I've talked to are like one man operations. But then there seems to be like this huge gap, right? So most of them are like solo players. And then, you know, some corporations like Enron and stuff like that, those are con artists too, but at a much larger scale. And then there's a lot more people involved. But that that middle tier where Michael Caine was at, where he had like two or three people working for him, I personally haven't seen a lot of that. But I found that very interesting, you know, because it's a business. He operates it like a business. At the end mm-hmm. of the con, he splits the money with them and and, yeah. and he's very effective. You know? Yeah. And that's it's so funny because that's how he lives his life. Like he seems like a fairly well-educated guy, but he chooses to make his money by scamming rich women, which – teach their own. Well, you know what's funny about it is that both the con artist, the Steve Martin character and the Michael Caine character, they have different motivations mm-hmm. um, for being a con artist. And it almost makes you seem like at the end of the movie that Michael Caine has like this Robin Hood altruistic uh, view of his con. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, he steals from these rich people who are greedy and, you know, he's he's going to take some because that's what they deserve, you know. But then when 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 he was ripping off Janet, he's like, I he felt bad for her because she didn't deserve to be like he had some sort of standard or some yeah. sort of code, mm-hmm. whereas Steve Martin had no code. Oh, yeah, all. it was yeah. it was take from whoever will give was right. was his life, because I think Steve Martin actually it seemed like he needed it. Actually, he wasn't. I mean, obviously, there was no grandmother in an operation, but it didn't seem to me like he had this lavish villa like Lawrence did or anything like that. He just was taking money and maybe blowing it right away, like we saw him yeah. go on a shopping spree. So it, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, uh, the first kind of con we see, this all goes down in this random casino. I can't tell if it's in the hotel or not. Like that, it, They're just always in this casino. They always end up playing roulette. It's like, right. oh, how fortunate for, for Lawrence. And Michael Caine's grease hair is introduced in this scene, and there was just a lot happening on top of his head in this in this scene. <laughs> you could you could fry an egg on that thing. It was disgusting. And then I will flash forward to that scene where he pulls two handfuls of bright pink hair gel mm-hmm. to rub on Steve Martin's head, and it was incredible. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Uh, so he picks his mark. That is the the official term. Is the person that you're basically going to go con. And it's this woman who's in this fabulous dress. Turns out she's like super loaded. And he sits next to her at the roulette table and whispers loudly, how much will the royal ring like get me at this <laughs> at this table? <laughs> and she falls for it, hook, line, and sinker. Classic. Oh, so it's good. so fast. It's so, so fast. And she so just wants to help him. Yeah. She just wants to help the prince, obviously, which is such an interesting con to decide that you're going to say you're a prince like that's pretty you that's well, fact checkable well but it, it is so crazy that it must be true you that's know what i mean 
Yeah. It, it's it's like why would he say that if he's not the prince? You know, it, That's it, true. it almost like turns off this like internal checklist that people have like, wait a minute, I can't you know, I can't deal with this information. It's like information overload. I must accept that he's a prince. Yeah, I guess it's true. I mean, it's like that email scam that goes around, you know, that the Nigerian prince needs help and needs you to throw millions of dollars in his overseas bank account or whatever. Like, same thing. Like, yeah. you're emailing well, me? I just did this series on Pretend about a treasure hunter who claims he discovered all these different things. Yeah. And, you know, it turns out that... People are accusing him of like stolen valor, of bullshit, really, because he didn't find any of this stuff. But th- his claims are so out there that you have to think like somebody discovered King Tut, right? Somebody mm-hmm. discovered the Rosetta Stone, you yeah. know? So why can't this guy discover all these crazy things that he was talking about? So it's like, it's so ridiculous. It must be true. Yeah, you have to just call dibs on that, on the most ridiculous story and just lean into it. And that's exactly what Lawrence does, I guess, (laughs) this whole time. And he succeeds. Uh, He seemingly sleeps with Fanny and makes a bunch of money. Or not Fanny. Yes, Fanny Eubanks from Omaha. We meet her. She's a recurring Mm -hmm. character. Love it. Um, And he gets all these like jewels and stuff from her and heads to Zurich. And this is where Steve Martin rolls in looking like a Palm Beach like bro. He's wearing a fedora, a linen jacket. Like there's a whole look. Yeah. Very, very, uh, very exotic and out there. Oh my gosh. And so young. I mean, I know this movie came out in 88, but he just looked so, so young. But still Um, with the white hair. Oh yeah. I feel like this dude probably started going white in maybe like his early twenties. I don't know a time where Steve Martin didn't have white hair. I feel like he's looked the same my whole entire life. You know? <laughs> he doesn't age, but he does age at the same time. That's right. <laughs> uh, you, We see him like con, like you mentioned, he cons this woman into basically paying off um, his entire meal, even though there's a number of empty tables. He sits with her and gives his sob story about his grandmother that we'll hear time and time again about how she is super sick and needs uh, surgery, and she purchases his whole meal, which is very extensive and includes like four turkey sandwiches and three beers and extra Just chips. Oh, yeah, of course. What's funny, and, and Steve Martin does this so well, is like he, he, he flips so fast between like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much, to like, okay, here's all the things that I want, and I already thought about this. <laughs> And then he asks her if she wants anything. Yeah, you get it. Why don't you just get a beer? Yeah, make it three beers. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, then he meets uh, Lawrence, basically. And they kind of – he kind of ex- – not exposes who he is, but he – Freddie is very willing to share that he's just conning women. Um he does say that men are the weaker sex and women have to give men money for a change. And I, of course, looked up the gender pay gap in 1988. It was like 66%. So oh, women were making this, like yeah. basically nothing. This movie is so wrong on it so many awful. levels. <clears throat> I mean, like at least Lawrence is like Robin Hooding it where he's stealing from the rich to just give to himself. But right. like 
come on, Freddie, come on. Yeah. Maybe um, one day in the future, this movie will make sense when women actually have more power. Than yeah. Men. <laughs> in like, you know, 300 years, maybe. According to payequity.org, it says that um, women won't receive equal pay. Based on the rate we're going, women will not receive equal pay until 2059. <laughs> so that's where we're at on that. <laughs> This movie's ahead of its time. Oh yeah, it's that's absolutely. Maybe when they say 1988, it's like lapped itself, so it's like 1988 volume 2. That's like, right. you know, yeah. we're that far in the future. Yeah, or in a parallel <laughs> reality. <you> absolutely. <laughs> um so Lawrence tries to get him to stay on the train to head to Portofino by calling up his one of his crew uh, members and saying, like, please bring a beautiful woman to the train station right now and have her go to Portofino. Um, and it's all in an effort to keep him, like, out of his territory because this is a, it, this is a thing. I don't know if you've he ever – He was a threat, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've ever talked to dueling con artists that were trying to, like – take each other's territory. Well, actually, that Treasure Hunter series that I told you about, it, yeah. it is a dueling con artist story because yeah. it's like the whole time you're listening to it, you don't know who the con artist is. And it turns out that maybe they're both con artists. So it was really interesting. Ooh. Well, yeah, we'll have to get the lowdown. This is where we plug pretend podcasts right. anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yes. We're going to plug it every 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. The there'll be like breaks and it'll just be having your commercials <laughs> the whole way through. So thanks, listeners. That was now we're back from our 18th commercial break. This is great. That's right. <laughs> Um, so he thinks that it works, but, um, Freddie gets a ride back to, uh, the area Belmont del Sur, um, with Lawrence's next target in her own Ferrari. Like, and then she just gives it to Freddie, just yep. gives a whole Ferrari. And it's, you know, and it's so elaborate, right? Like he, he wants Freddie out, like the Michael King character wants Freddie out, but he's going through this whole thing, you know, just to, to uh, expose him. And it's, it's awesome. Oh my gosh. Well, I just aspire to be so rich that I can give a poor soul my Ferrari. <laughs> like yeah. um, a financial donation is one thing, but to give her your whole Ferrari, um, and clearly he makes a bunch of money because there's a little montage where Steve Martin is like jumping for joy everywhere. He goes shopping. It's almost like a pretty woman montage kind of vibe yeah. for me. Mm -hmm. uh, he gets all this stuff. He's in his Ferrari. He drives to the beach and Steve Martin in a Speedo, everybody. Oh, yeah. That, oh, my God. We, we could have skipped that part. I was going to say, how did your small children uh, react to that? They probably <laughs> just laughed because he was very pale. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I learned that this scene, this like beach scene where Steve Martin is posing with a beautiful woman was shot twice because they had to shoot the American version with her bathing suit top on and the European version with her bathing suit top off. Oh, really? So wow. I did not know that. That's where all their money went, probably. <laughs> I did not look up the budget for this film, but... <laughs> That was well. They shot the there. whole the whole film was shot in the south of France, and you mm -hmm. know it's th this uh, little town. Um, I'm already forgetting the name of it. Is like a real place, you know. Um, yeah. Where is it? Ah, I already forgot the name of it. Belmont del Sur or whatever Belmont Sur Mer, Sur. something like yeah, that. Yeah, but the the real place, yeah, Belmont Sur Mer is the real one. Mm -hmm. Belmont. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's in the French Riviera. 
Uh, I definitely yeah. want to visit there. I was going to say, now it's on my there. list. I didn't know it existed, <laughs> you know, when I before I watched the movie, and now I desperately want to go visit there. It's going to be on yeah. my list. It's very, mm-hmm. very pretty. We're going. Yes, for, after for COVID. A sequel, part three of <laughs> this COVID. Yeah. Yes, we'll bring Steve Martin and <laughs> Michael Caine with us <laughs> to, to France. Uh, so... Freddie ends up having to go to jail because um, the woman, they like uh, Lawrence and his crew show this woman like, oh, this is all the things he's doing with your money that was supposed to be for his grandmother's operation. He goes to, first I thought he was actually in jail. And then I realized like, oh, wait, <laughs> no, he's not. He's just in a fake jail as part of the con. Um, right. And this whole thing was ad-libbed. Uh, oh, with was Steve it? The Martin. scene in the jail? Yeah, where he was pretending, like he or not pretending, he that could he not couldn't, that he couldn't remember the name. The name. Yeah, which he, is so that is such classic Steve Barton. And I hate that this is like a radio show and like or an audio show, and you can't see it. But that is just you said it was improvised, and I totally get it because that is like Steve Martin at his best. You know? Yeah, it is. I think he did such a fantastic job. I haven't watched a movie with Steve Martin in it in so long. And so maybe this is the reason why I'm very enamored with his performance because I haven't seen him on screen in a while. But he, I think, just nailed this entire thing. Like, I don't know why he did not get nominated up against Tom Hanks. And I have not seen Big, so I can't technically compare the two, but I just oh know God. in my heart of hearts. <laughs> no. You haven't seen Big? This is a, your show could just go on forever. I know. I really thought that I was going to have an ending, and apparently I will never, ever get out of this spiral I've put myself into. So, <laughs> But it's the micro expressions on his face that yes. really sell it. He is yes. so good at that. Yeah. And so he goes on. This is like a couple minutes of him just like making up names that he cannot remember. I'm astonished that no one broke during the scene because I would be dying laughing. Um, And so he finally gets to talk to Lawrence and Lawrence says, you know what? I will help you out if you can get me $5,000 when you go home to the United States in the next 48 hours. Don't worry. I've I've got you. And it's like, con on, con on, con. And we get he's trying to con the con artist, you know? Oh, yeah. But he's trying, like you said, he's he's just trying to protect his territory. Like, this dude seems like a little fly to him. He's like, just get out of here. Like, I've already got you. Like, come on, get out of here. But Freddie gets on the plane, and look who's there. Fanny Eubanks of Omaha. She returns <laughs> again. And she, my favorite, one of my favorite lines in this film is where she looks at him deadpan and says, my money may be financing your mission. And he just looks at her like she has 6,000 hits. It is very good. It is so very good. And Hey, Jackie, I meant to ask you, did you yeah. notice all the Star Wars references? There's not a lot of them, there, but there's some. Wait, I noticed none of them. Now I feel embarrassed. <laughs> well, it was directed by Frank Oz, Yoda. Yes. Yeah. And the one of the the guys in the in the crew in in Michael Caine's crew is the Emperor from yes. Star Wars. I <laughs> did know that only because shout out my boyfriend pointed it out to me. <laughs> yeah, that that was it. That's oh, all. Okay, the, I was the, like, the wait, story. were there references? Well, I just you know, anytime there's a Star Wars connection, I have to point it out. You know, I mean, I feel like I I get to participate in that now. I'm very happy. But yes, all that right. was carry on. That was no, I'm excited. Like it was. I mean, I feel like all these stars are interconnected. It's like that six degrees of Kevin Bacon thing. Yeah. And this movie is definitely one of those yeah. connection things. It's so good. It's great. Uh, but yeah, so Freddie puts it all together and we go back to Lawrence's house. And 
basically Steve Martin starts screaming about how he just wants to be super rich. And Florence is like, all right, fine. I will mentor you, I guess. Which is great because, you know, the, the Michael Caine character, the Lawrence character, he's so sophisticated, you know, and and you could tell that Steve Martin has a lot to learn. I mean, he has to like, you know, brush up on some things. He's he's a little too dramatic, too out there. And and so this is uh, now this is the third Star Wars reference where you have the emperor. Michael Caine is Darth Vader and uh, Steve Martin's his young Padawan. Oh, I love that metaphor. You like that it? That was really good. That was good, huh? And it like it is the dark side, but like not kind of interesting. <laughs> Disturbance in the forest, lightsaber. The hair gel is the lightsaber. I that, feel the like hair, yeah. that mm-hmm. that needs to be the connection. I mean, that hair gel was like bright, bright pink. I don't know if there's any pink lightsabers in the Star Wars universe, but I feel like that would be the color. There will be. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah the montage is hilarious. It is set to the tune "Putting on the Ritz." Love mm-hmm. it. Uh, we have a suit fitting. We have hair gel. We have lessons on how to walk. We have lessons on how to lean. It is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Where where to position your hands, you know. Yes, in your pocket. Or like which way to look when you're holding a glass of champagne. I've learned so much. It gave me very um, Princess Bride vibes. I know Princess Bride came out much later. Not Princess Bride. Um, oh, my gosh. Why am I blanking you're on the film? You're talking about, yeah, the, the one with um, – with a- 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 Hathaway, yes, that and one? she. Why am I blanking? Everyone on Twitter is going <laughs> to at at me that I can't remember the name. Is freaking film. Just, we just got canceled. I everybody's going to pause it. I have Princess Bride <laughs> on the mind because I just watched it. Uh, oh, I know what you're Princess talking. Diaries. Princess yeah. Diaries. I got it. I got it without googling. <laughs> that vibe. It is giving me that, not Princess Bride vibes. Sorry, everyone. Sean's going to keep all that in. Which he will not prob- get that out. Which is probably another movie you haven't watched. Right? No, I have, which oh, is why have. I understood okay. the reference. I just couldn't remember the title. <laughs> no, but have you watched Princess Bride? Yes, I have. Oh, okay. Head back okay. to season two of Jackie Watches uh, Stuff. Uh, this is my okay. own plug now. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so he finally succeeds in becoming fancy enough to like lean on things, pour champagne, look off into the sunset, like, was was mickley um and they (laughs) basically his first task is to pretend to be ruprecht the brother of prince i don't know if they call him prince lawrence but or the the prince um and there's a woman from tulsa oklahoma we have a lot of accents happening a lot of like very thick american accents happening uh from the south in this film and uh ruprecht is basically the person that is supposed to get these women to leave uh, Lawrence. And it works very well because Steve Martin is an amazing physical comedian, as we've said a million times, and this scene wins all scenes. It's my favorite like scene, well, scenes in the movie is whenever Ruprecht is there. And if you do anything, if you don't want to watch this movie, at least YouTube yes. this scene with Ruprecht because it is – it is so good. Oh, it's like it's Hollywood magic. <laughs> it's so funny. And I mean, I desperately tried to see how much of this was like, I mean, you can't script this, but like how much was intended versus just Steve Martin doing him his own thing. I could not find any information on it, but I, I, in my heart of hearts know that they said, okay, here are the basic lines that you need to say. And like, 
good luck. Have fun. Like, here's a pot that you can bang on. <laughs> well, he he's one of the scenes, uh, the earlier rubric scene is when he's kind of attacking the woman yes. and he kind of disappears off into like the corner of the room. And Michael Caine says, we're going to get the genital cuffs, Rupert. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> that that was a bad moment. <laughs> bad Rupert. Bad Rupert. And he just keeps a, keeps like such a straight face this whole time. And it's, I mean, it's just so funny. I, I died when they were at dinner with whoever this next woman was that oh, we end up losing. Yeah. And uh, the butler comes over and says, may I hold your trident? Like it is so normal. <laughs> yeah, because you have to describe this for people because even I, who had watched that movie, forgot the rich details. Oh he has God. a trident. He has a cork on, a, on the end on his, of the fork. fork. So he doesn't he stab himself. Eye patch. <laughs> and he's eating applesauce, I think, with the fork. With the, the fork that has a cork on the end of it. And he's just smushing it around this plate. He's also sitting in like, it's like when you don't have any of your regular chairs and like your fifth friend comes over and it's like, oh, don't worry. We technically have another seat for you to sit on, but it's way too low. So he's like, his shoulders are up at his ears because he's so like low on the table. <laughs> and then he... I don't know if this was – I don't even know. I'm guessing it was on purpose. But with that cork on the end of the fork thing so he doesn't hurt himself, he pushes down on the fork and it flings and he hits himself directly in the eye patch, which is hilarious because oh it's God. like, oh, my God, this is why he wears the eye patch yeah. because he's done this a million times. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, and then, and so then the, the scene, which I think is like the best scene out of the whole movie, is when uh, Rubric, uh, Rubric asks if he could go to the bathroom. Yes. And, so, and so he just looks from right to left and like you can tell he's peeing on himself. And then he says, thank you. <laughs> It is so good. I know I, I'm not I, doing it justice, but you got I it. know. And that's what I was going to say. Like you said this before, but I will second. Like if you see nothing, like no other scene from this film, just watch anytime Steve Martin is being rubriced because it is it is amazing physical comedy. Uh, and it is so, so good. And I should just dedicate a whole podcast to it because I love it. Um, but Freddie gets really annoyed because he does not get paid for acting as rubriced the whole time, even though he's kind of a big part of the con is to get these women to leave and Lawrence says that basically I can't trust you with this money because you're not going to spend it the right way which we've kind of already seen and now we learn about wine that you can't drink or sell (laughs) sculptures that you just look at lawn care just because like it these maze gardens yes and he's like this just looks like a nightmare to mow and it's like yeah but you hire people to upkeep it and that's it that's all you need. It's just that he, you know, the Steve Martin character has no class. No. And I mean, despite the fact that now he has his hair gelled and can put his hand in his pocket appropriately, we still don't trust him to right. spend his money. But Freddie decides to stay and they are at the hotel and say, all right, this town ain't big enough for the two of us. Let's make a bet. Whoever can get $50,000 from this woman who just happened to stumble into the hotel will become the winner. They will own this place and, and the loser will leave. Um, Which seems really hardcore. Of a, yeah. Yeah. Cause like what if Michael Caine lost, you know, I don't think he would give up. I think he would just like say, I think he would honestly just try to get Freddie out no matter what. I don't think yeah. he would give up his French villa. It's a really nice villa. There, there's this twisted 
alternative movie where Michael Caine just whacks him, you know, dumps his body in the Mediterranean Sea. Absolutely. That is the like crime horror version of this. And that's what's so funny is like he didn't – he's not – I don't want to say he's not evil because he does con people out of their money and lie to their faces. But he's not trying to kill anyone. Like he's not trying to hurt people. And he even says it later, like I only steal from the people that can afford to be stolen from. I, I'm not going to steal from this poor woman who we learn later is not is not wealthy at all, has no money. And so, yeah, he's not dirty. He's just kind of – he's dirty but has a heart. Yeah, he's a, he's a good bad guy. He's a good con guy. Yeah. That's a thing, right? They're all very charming. So that's something that this movie got right, which is you like the con artists. They are very likable. They're very charming. They're disarming. So that part of it is spot on. Yeah. I mean, I would probably trust anything this really rich guy with a lot of hair gel says. And I would also trust the seemingly paralyzed Navy vet who rolls into the casino because <laughs> that's the next scene. <laughs> yep. Oh my gosh. Uh, we're talk back about the like, table. talk okay. about like upping the antes, right? Like, like why did he choose to be in a wheelchair of all things? I think it's for the sympathy angle. I mean, I know you've done, and I'm just going to keep calling this back. Javier's not paying me to like up his podcast for the record, everyone. Like it's just that good. Go listen to it. Um, But I remember you, there was a woman who conned several people out of money for like surgeries and those types of things that, that weren't real. Yeah. I mean, or she would use surgeries that she's had in order to gain sympathies. So it wasn't really, I mean, I guess she was using some of her con money to get the surgeries, but basically she was acting like she just had a uh, major surgery. And sometimes she would act like she had an iron deficiency. So she would deprive herself of iron so that she could get hospitalized. So she could take pictures of herself and tell people she was getting chemo. So it really wasn't like she was using, um, the money for surgeries, but really using her ailments as a way to con people. Yeah. I feel like people, because you can't be the jerk that questions somebody's illness, right? You're never going to be like, oh, well, maybe you can walk or, you know, maybe you're, you're not getting chemo. You're never going to say yeah, that. Who fakes, who fakes getting cancer? That sounds awful. Right. You know? That and seems like there's a line that you shouldn't cross. Yeah. And that's why we believe it. Because like, who would do that? Mm -hmm. And that I think is the line. I mean, I don't think the writers of this movie were this deep thinking about it, but that's the difference between Lawrence and Freddie is Lawrence will lie to you, but he won't. I don't want to be, I don't want to say be unethical because lying is unethical, but he's not going to fake an illness. He's not going to make you question your own like morals and values. Whereas Freddie will, will do anything. He'll pretend to be a paralyzed military veteran to get your money and win the bet. So it's, it's different. Again, I'm not, I'm not condoning this behavior guys. I just want to put that out there. It's actually like so horrible because like just faking being a Naval like officer is also like, you know, stolen valor. And then also like, you know, posing as somebody who's disabled and, and and that part of the movie watching that in 2020, it's like, ah, you know, it's kind of knocking disabled people, you know? So, so this movie has shown some age, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Not great moments, included this whole wheelchair thing. Um, But I will give them a point back that he 
just kind of says he woke up kind of numb. He didn't pretend that he was like beaten or in a serious like naval battle, et cetera, et cetera. Stolen valor, still a problem. I'm not condoning this, but we didn't make it as bad as it could have been. Um, and then the he other wasn't point physically back, disabled, he was emotionally disabled. Right. And it, it, and he even says that he's like, the, it comes from my heart. Like it's not my body, it's just my heart. And so it's like, okay, we didn't write this as bad as it could have been written, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. But yes, still still aren't loving this. We don't condone this. Disclaimer, disclaimer. <laughs> um, but it kind of works. He makes a dramatic exit after um his final his final effort is to put up his medal, uh, but the dealer at the roulette table will not take it. Um, and he says, Oh, it was the last chance for my operation. No, no, my grandmother's operation. So again, point to the writers. We didn't, we didn't pretend that he was getting an operation on his legs, but we kind of made it worse later, but it's okay. Um, and she feels really bad and gives him $2,000 worth of chips, which is not nothing for someone you literally just ran into. Yeah. And this is the this woman that they just met. This is the woman that they are competing against, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's like the stakes are high for these guys. Yeah. And little does, I mean, little do they know that she is trying to equally come here to make a bunch of money. And so, I mean, it's interesting that as a con artist herself, it's interesting that she even entertains this dude who is seemingly like super pathetic and doesn't have any money, but she goes, well, we for don't, it anyway. we don't know that yet, you know? So right, right. that twist comes like later on, but at the time when you're watching it, you're like, oh, well, you know, she's really sad for him and feels bad for him, you know, but, but little do we know is that she's really just using him and really as a laughing stock. Right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, she says at the end, like, this was the most fun money that I've ever earned. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, good on ya. Um, so Freddie spins this whole web of lies that the the way that he would be cured to cure his emotional paralysis that has really manifested in his legs would be to meet with this very famous psychiatrist that costs $50,000, Dr. Emil Schaffhausen. And, oh, look who is in the lobby of the hotel when she goes to write him a letter. <laughs> Dr. Schiffhausen. Dr. Schiffhausen. What a coincidence. <laughs> it's Lawrence, which is hilarious. Did not see this twist coming at all. But that's where having, you know, uh, a team of con artists works. Because while while Rupert, or sorry, while Steve Martin was telling her the story, l across, you know, and the next table over was uh, one of uh, Michael Caine's guys who was mm -hmm. taking notes, detailed notes about the story. And so that's how... Michael Caine was able to play this character uh, perfectly because he knew all the details. He knew all the lies. Yeah. And what they could have done at this moment is Lawrence could have gone to him and said, listen, I let's team up one last time. I'll play the doctor and she'll just pay me and I'll cure you. Bam, bam. But instead, no, we keep it a competition. <laughs> like the pride <laughs> is worth more than the $50,000. That's right. Exactly. Which is so funny. Um and so, uh, yeah, he comes up to the hotel room and uh, first warns Janet not to give him any more money. Do not give him more money. It will only enable him, a.k.a. I will lose. Please do not do that. Um, <laughs> Dr. Schaffhausen meets Freddie, and this is probably like top five scenes in this film where Lawrence just 
hits him over and over with this like fake flower to try to ensure that he can't feel anything. And Steve Martin, again, physical actor is genius. That and that is so funny because he's whipping him so hard, and Steve Martin supposedly can't feel anything, but mm-hmm. you know that he just has to be in so much pain. Oh, it's so good. Um, and I want to talk to you about this next scene. It's a super small scene, not super important in the film, but I wanted to ask you about it. It is when they are leaving the hotel, um, Lawrence, Freddie, and now Janet, and we accidentally run into someone who is part of Lawrence's other Prince Your Highness con. And so he has to like play it off like it's no big deal. Is like, I mean, people say all the time that like lying is is really hard because when you have all these lies on top of each other, you can't keep them all straight. Is this like a common thing where people have multiple cons going at the same time? Well, I mean, I think in order to be a good con artist, you have to think quick on your feet. And as a like a viewer just watching this movie, you're thinking, oh, crap, mm-hmm. he's in trouble because now the two cons are colliding and how is he going to get out of this? But a con man, like a really good con man, has an explanation for everything. Mm-hmm. And he was able to... Uh, talk this one woman down who thinks he's royalty (laughs) and then get back in the car with his new Mark and tell her that she's just a mental patient because now he's a psychiatrist. And that makes perfect sense. It was so convenient. Yeah. But I mean, you have to be quick on your feet. You know, in Spanish, we have to say, we we have the saying that says you have to be vivo. Vivo means alive. You have to be quick, mm-hmm. always aware of the situation because, I mean, one little slip up like that and the whole con is over. Yeah. I mean, I would be – if I. that's why I, I question this idea of like you're – like I'm the prince con because mm-hmm. I feel like that could crumble around you so fast. Like even yeah, that, being a psychiatrist a little, seems easier. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a little harder. But, you know, a good con, um, good con artist, like each lie is built on a truth. Mm-hmm. So there's always truth so that if the mark goes and tries to check, there's some sort of validity to what they're saying. It's always like uh, lying by omission type of situations yeah. where, yeah, a good a good con is based off of reality. But in this movie, you know, it's for entertainment. So they're yeah, completely. I mean, yeah. again, we have to suspend disbelief because it's a film. <laughs> but yeah. it is, it's, inter- it's an interesting thing to think about for sure. Um they get back to the villa and Lawrence just starts being a jerk and starts dancing with her. And he like, Freddie has to like crawl up the stairs and starts screaming. And, and Lawrence lays the groundwork here of like, no, no, we have to have the greatest time ever. It will, he will will himself to, to basically become better. He will will himself out of this wheelchair. So we just have to do all these incredible things uh, together. And there's a moment where Freddie writes a suicide note and Lawrence comes back and's like, no, it's fine. Like, it's totally fine. We should laugh. <laughs> Let's laugh. Let's talk louder about how, what a great day that we're having, um, which is just, oh, just so funny. It's yeah. <laughs> And it's so agonizing, you know, and he's, he's about to throw himself down these like steps made out of coral or mm-hmm. something that, that lead to the ocean. Oh, yeah. Steve Martin pathetically crawling on his elbows towards the ocean and then her, quote, stopping him by just standing in front of him was like, oh, just beautiful. The whole thing was so good. good. Um, 
and he he plays to her sympathy like really really well here and says you know like oh no one no women found find me attractive no one would want to kiss me do you (laughs) find me attractive and like oh so close Uh, so close to getting the kiss (laughs) so close and then lawrence shows up lawrence uh yeah ruins that moment and this is where he doubles down like okay, here's the thing, Janet. If you care about him, we need to have the most fun together. Like, we just can't we can't acknowledge his sadness. We just have to keep having a great time. And then there's this montage of, like, playing tennis, going horseback riding, and poor Steve Martin has to, like, push himself in this wheelchair. His arms were probably killing him by the end of this film because he has to, like, wheel himself around everywhere. They go dancing. There's a small cameo in this dancing scene where Michael Caine's actual daughter is in is on the dance floor, like right near him in this scene, which is very. Ah, fun. I did not know that. Yeah, um, I wouldn't have known who it was. The internet told me that. I should I should say where I get my sources. <laughs> I did not realize that when I was watching it. Um, and this kills me because Freddie is is dressed in his naval uniform and there are sailors behind him. And this kind of goes back to like the crumbling lie. Uh, and they stick up for him because they're like, who's that guy? And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, that used to be my girlfriend. And and now, now that he's just being a jerk about it. Uh, and they're going to basically kidnap him as in to defend this other you know, another, scene. yeah, you got to stick together, right? And now he has his own crew. He should have kept those guys a little bit closer. He maybe could have won this whole bet. So they, um, they kidnap Michael Caine and, and you really think that it's over at this point. Yeah. Like, I really thought that I was like, oh crap, like we've stepped over the line. Cause like we were talking about earlier, like these guys don't kill, they don't like kidnap, they don't ship people over to Honduras. Uh, but of course, Lawrence can get himself out of it. Meanwhile, we find out that the soap queen, Janet, like isn't rich at all. She just won a contest and starts playing now to Lawrence's sympathy and is like, oh, yeah, you know, I sold all the prizes. I sold the car. I'm, But I'm going to keep the mink. Is that okay? Like I'm, I promise I'll have the money. My dad had to sell his stuff. And like Lawrence falls for it, which is crazy. And, you know, what's funny is that it's implied, like, she's a soap queen. Like, if she is some sort of a millionaire heiress of this soap company from America, but she really just won a contest. And and really, the only money that she has, she has to sell her car back home. She has to sell her house and all this money, all this stuff just to pay for Freddie's uh, treatment. Yeah, this guy who she like literally just met. She's so nice, but not really because she's a con artist. <laughs> but and and we have to talk about her voice too. Like oh my God, yes. the actress that played it was perfect because she had this high pitched voice and this this little mousy squeaky voice, and you could just it it almost makes you think that you could just tell her anything and she'll believe it. Yeah. Know? She was playing like this, you know, she's batting her eyelashes and and she's just there to do the best possible thing and help Freddie and I I really care about you, but she's playing up her her con. Like she's using her like big-eyed like whimsical like oh, I don't know what's going on. Like that that mm-hmm. lets them just like fall right into her trap. And and uh Jackie, it's been about 15 minutes since we haven't mentioned pretend. Oh yeah, so. let's talk about pretend. <laughs> Javier's podcast. It's really good, y'all. 
<laughs> no, but uh, I wanted to point out that that is also a very classic con artist trick. What she was doing, because remember, she was playing the long con. Mm-hmm. What she was doing was giving them money, helping them out. And that's exactly what a con artist does. A con artist doesn't, a good one at least, doesn't just take, take, take. A, con, a good con artist gives first so that you now are disarmed and you think that, wait a minute, this person couldn't steal from me because they give me stuff. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. give me money, you know? And and that's what she was doing. She was helping them out. So why w- w- that's why it was so shocking that she's actually the jackal at the, at yeah. the end. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too. It's like you have to build trust if you're going to get someone to hand over a bunch of money to you. And so – you know, it's it's a wonder that Lawrence can pull it off with these women when he he has his whole like I'm the prince like uh, con running, but he pulls it off seemingly with them like very fast that these women are just willing to shell out all this money. But yet, I feel like Jan- the way Janet's story is told is more accurate that it takes a little more time and that you have to give and take and and wait and be patient. It's not like you're going to go up say, oh, I'm a prince, can you give me some money exactly. and and call it a day. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, real cons take time because when when you're in the middle of the con, to you and me, I mean, we we could look at a con and be like, how stupid are you to fall for this? But a good con lasts a long time to the point where you're in so deep that you don't even realize the obvious things that everybody else Mm -hmm. sees. Yeah. Well, part of this, I mean, now we're at the point where um, they decide to make a bet. instead of on getting her money because Lawrence feels really bad um, about it, which by the way, he like gets out of this plane thing. It's never really explained, but he's like, yeah, I just never got on the plane. Like I made it happen because I'm also an army or a Navy vet. And I just, I just got my way out of it. I think he just talked his way out of it. (laughs) Yeah. They never did explain that. Absolutely. Um, And so they decide that instead of trying to get money from her, uh, they will just try to take a bet, make a bet on who can sleep with her first, which um, disclaimer, don't ever do. Don't do that. This is where I was like, come on, guys, seriously, Um, which made me feel better that Janet was the con artist at the end because it's like, yeah, take that, boys. Ha, ha, ha. She used them. (laughs) Bam. Uh, So they – Say okay, fine. That is the uh, the bet. Um, Freddie's last ditch attempt is to go to Janet's hotel room and say, "I love you, and I think I could walk again if I knew that you loved me too." <laughs> like, come on. So cheesy, but uh, it's, uh... and he's he gives this whole story about how he's so scared that his feelings just won't be returned. And she's like, no, they will. And he like tells her to go all the way over to the bed and he's like laying the groundwork to, to win this bet, presumably. And he, again, another great physical comedy moment that is way too hard on an audio medium to describe, but it is, it is very funny of Steve Martin just randomly being able to walk. It, it it reminds me of another Steve Martin movie because, by the way, let's go back to uh, something we talked about earlier. My kids, mm-hmm. um, they watch a lot of Steve Martin movies because he's he's one of my favorites, actually. So, um, th- but they've only watched like The Father of the Bride and and you know other movies where he plays the dad, and it almost seems like when he plays the dad, he's always playing the same role. Well, what they don't know is that Steve Martin is also a great con artist. And when he plays a con artist, it's also the same role. (laughs) So there's a movie called Leap of Faith, 
where it's not exactly a comedy, but he plays this preacher, you know, like one of those like um, preachers that like touches you on the forehead and heals you, you know, oh, yes. and, and that's not a very like popular movie. So Jackie, you're not missing out, but it's, it's the same <laughs> kind of deal. Right. And then there's another Steve Martin movie, which one, it's one of my favorites and it's a more recent uh, Steve Martin movie It's called Bowfinger. Okay. And, and it stars Eddie Murphy. And the plot of the movie is that he needs, he's Bowfinger, uh, Steve Martin is a director and he needs to make a movie with Eddie Murphy, but he can't afford Eddie Murphy. So he shoots around him, you know, like in natural surroundings to to make this movie with Eddie Murphy. But Steve Martin is a, is a wonderful, wonderful con artist. And when he plays that role and when he starts walking in this film, it's a lot like that leap of faith movie where he's healing these people who are paralyzed or you know like it's just so good you know oh that's hilarious i need to i mean i know you said i'm not missing out but i feel like i need some more i need some more of him in my life right now so watch bowfinger it is so underappreciated that movie like most people haven't watched it and it's it's it was one of eddie murphy's last good movies so Oh dear. Which Hot speaking dear. of Eddie Murphy, did you read that Eddie Murphy was originally supposed to play uh the the role of Steve Martin in this movie? No way. Yeah, Seriously? he was he, Yeah, he was trying to buy the rights because this movie was actually based off of a movie that uh um that was originally um played by um Marlon Brando in 1964. It was a movie called Bedtime Story. And so Eddie Murphy was trying to, and his production company were trying to acquire the rights to bedtime stories so that they could recreate it. But then that, that deal fell through. And that's when this movie that we're talking about now came to a head. And then that's when Mick Jagger and David Bowie came into talks and, and it kind of switched hands. And we ended up with Steve Martin and Michael Caine. Oh my God. I'm trying to imagine Eddie Murphy in this role. And like I love him, very funny dude, but I don't know if he's the right funny. Yeah, I I, I could kind of see it, but I I think it worked out just fine. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good with this cast. <laughs> Let's keep it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so Steve Steve Martin is cured. He uh, he can do it, and he walks, and he throws Janet on the bed, and look who's in the room. <laughs> so good. Going back to your chess metaphor, this is one step ahead. Like he knows that Freddie's going to go over there and he preps Janet and says like, listen, he's going to come here and you're just going to support him and you're going to tell him you love him. But like, just say everything he wants to hear to make him walk and it's going to work. And look, (laughs) he was right. It's so good. It's amazing. Um, Lawrence warns Janet and says like, you need to leave right now. Like this next scene is her getting pushed through the airport gates basically by Lawrence saying, you know, if he loves you, he'll follow you, but leave, 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 get out of here. Um, and she says, but maybe I think I'm in love with him. And like, no, like get, get out of here. Um, and <laughs> we, oh, uh, did, did you skip the part where, uh, Lawrence gives her the money? Well, that is the second push of like, get out. Like, cause this is the thing is, he's like, he keeps pushing her away and she's like, no, I think I need to come back. And so she comes back, finds Freddie in her room, which is just shocking that the two of them were there at the same time because she had long checked out. 
and they like have their their presumably their sex scene moment, which we don't see, which, which is completely not. safe for kids. Yeah, I'm again not mad about it. I'm <laughs> fine. Like I already saw Steve Martin in a speedo once in this yeah. film. I didn't need that to see it anymore. That was probably the worst part of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I'm good. He was very pale. That's all I needed to know. Like, thanks. Um, but then after that, he tries to push her out again because she comes back and she's crying to Lawrence, saying, "Oh my gosh, he took everything. Like he, he slept with me. I woke up the next morning and everything was gone. All my money, you know, all of my my prizes, all the money I was supposed to pay you. And this is where he totally falls for it and says, "Okay, here, take fifty thousand dollars." get out, you know, I'm sorry this happened to you. Um, And then we find out, you know, at the airport later, Steve Martin (laughs) shows up in a robe, handcuffed, and says, she took all my stuff. Like, she's the con artist. And not just at the airport, but like on the tarmac, you know? Yes. They're watching like the plane like load up and fly away. Yeah, and Lawrence thinks he won because he's like, "Oh look, haha!" Like, you know, you can't you can't sleep with her because she's long gone. And he's like, "No, this you got it wrong. Like, she took all my stuff. She somehow did a switcheroo. I have no idea how." Well, she, she put everything I think in the medical bag. Is that what she did? And like switched I can't out remember. for yeah, his but she definitely switched clothes. it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, and she even says, and this was kind of where I was like, "What does that mean?" Because she says something to the effect of like. Like, I'm going to remember so much what you gave to me. I'm like, that's mm-hmm. a weird phrase. Like, that sounds really weird. And it turns out it's because she took his $50,000. <laughs> uh, she conned them both. She keeps $50,000. And then all of a sudden, she shows up at Lawrence's villa and is basically like, hello, I'm here. We're a team now. And they go and get him. Yeah, and and now everything is like all good. You know, like nobody's yeah. like pissed off at each other, but you know, it's crazy. I I'm, you know what I want to look up in 1990 in 1988 when this film came up. Uh how much is $50,000 worth now? You know what Ooh. I mean? Like adjusted to um to inflation? Yes, I will look that Let's up see. as we all speak. Right. Okay, so f- da, 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 da. oh, okay, so fifty thousand dollars back then is worth one hundred and ten thousand dollars in two thousand twenty. Wow, well, sixty thousand dollars more. That's crazy. So I, I mean, just, it's a it's like a good amount of money, but you, these guys, you have a feeling that they're they're conning people out of way more money than that, right? Right. So this yeah. is like this is for sport. I mean, they're not like this wasn't about the money. Yeah. I feel like that's just like, oh, just get my dinner next time and we'll call it even kind exactly. of money for them. <laughs> yeah. And it's – I mean, for for Freddie, it's like, what? That's so much money. But Lawrence was so willing to just give it to her anyway that, yeah, I think – and I think he was so impressed by her that he almost wants her to keep it. Like, you yeah. you earn that fair and square. You She's win. Got skills. Like, yeah. let's, let's do it. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's a Dirty Rotten Scoundrels 2 where we watch the three of them, like, team up. No, but they they did make a remake with a, a, an all female cast, and I'm oh. semi curious to watch it, uh, but not really because it sounds horrible. I, I think, um, oh geez, it's it's here somewhere, but it, it doesn't even have that great of a cast. So, yeah, I feel like when you try to recreate a film like this and just swap the cast out, it doesn't work. Yeah, 
no matter what gender. I'm not saying women can't act. I'm just no. Saying. It wasn't about the women. <laughs> no, I know. I, I don't even like when they cover songs. You know, it's like mm-hmm. if it's a good song, don't cover it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would. I think if I had to choose, I would take a Dirty Rotten Scoundrels two over like a remake. Because you kind of then see it coming a little bit. It's like, oh, everybody must be a con artist. Let's try to overanalyze versus just going in, knowing these characters and saying, okay, what are the three that I'm going to get up to now? Um, Oh, so it was last year. It was a movie called The Hustle with Anne Hathaway and Rebel mm -hmm. Wilson. So I don't know. Hmm. I mean, I love Anne Hathaway, though. Yeah, but I don't know. I'll have your listeners watch it and. Back to us. <laughs> I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah. I'll let you know. Maybe you can get Anne Hathaway on pretend because she's kind of a con artist. That's true. Is she? I mean, if she, I just agreed to that, but I, I don't know. <laughs> if she was in this film, I'm assuming. Oh, I see. I thought maybe she had like some sort of weird Gwyneth Paltrow scam or something. Oh, I would love that. Oh. Go undercover, Javier. <laughs> You're the only podcaster I know that would be able to do it. Did That's I mention, right. guys, that Pretend is a great podcast and y'all? Oh yeah. <laughs> About 15 minutes, yeah. Yeah, before – well, that's – so that's the, the movie. But before we go, I do want you to plug Pretend for Real. I know we've been talking about it. Um, but really, if – I mean, I know everybody jokes about like true crime and podcasting. This is like true crime adjacent. So yeah. you don't have to be a cliche. It's like diet true crime, you know? Yeah. It's like yeah, – yeah. It's it's true crime enough to satisfy that that it's without any of the blood or guts, you know. Yeah. Pretend, you know, it, it's really a show about like con artists and people lying to each other. So there are some episodes about serial killers, but serial killers are a form of con artists, right? Like they mm-hmm. have to con their victims. So yeah, I would definitely check out Pretend. There's like over seventy episodes. I cannot believe that I've made it this far i've been producing it for like three and a half years and i'm always thinking okay i i think i'm i'm done but i'm not there's so many (laughs) stories to tell so yeah it is it is amazing and i will say like i always question how javier you get into and out of the situations that you find yourself in for this show um this is not your full-time job like you have a real job and so it just amazes me that you have the time to hunt down these stories um and very emotionally draining i would (laughs) imagine you i always think you know i'm starting the story and i'm thinking oh this one's gonna be one little quick episode and then it turns out to be this epic thing where i go down this rabbit hole (laughs) and i never think that i'm actually gonna get the con artists and when and then a lot of times I do and that's always shocking and then and then once I get the con artists I have to like start listening to their lies I can't be judgmental you know I mean I have to like accept what they're saying as true so that I could hear the stories that they're telling other people but then not believe it too much in order not to fall for it myself you know what I mean so it's like you're kind of at a safe distance from it and it's so funny right before this recording I got a, a a nasty gram from a listener saying that in my last episode, the treasure hunter that I was talking about earlier, that I was a little too sympathetic with the con artist. But, you know, it's it's one of those things where I, I'm kind of one of their victims in the process because I have to absorb all this mm-hmm. crap that they're telling me. And it really is hard for me to tell reality from the true from yeah. the, the con sometimes. 
Yeah, do you find yourself going a little, a little crazy sometimes, feeling like oh, everybody's yeah. calling you? Yeah, by the end of this, when I'm done with a series, I am like so emotionally drained. I I went into a cult once, like a cult invited me. I was to- gonna I was gonna plug that because that is the that is the series that I started with for pretend, and yeah. everyone like Javier like drove out to a seeming like cult area ground and lived to tell the tale. This is a legit like yeah. scary thing. It was crazy. And when I came back, it, I, you know, my wife was there waiting in the living room and she's like, so how was it? And I was just like, you know what? Maybe they're not a cult. They seem like oh, no. such nice people. And oh, like, I was, like, I was kind of brainwashed. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it took me, it took me like a whole day to snap out of it. It was so weird. Yeah, yeah. it is. But maybe I'm just like extra gullible. You know what I mean? Like I'm probably the worst person to host this show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so far, I don't think you've fallen for it. At least as I can tell, I don't know how much money you've given to Nigerian princes lately. But I don't fall for it. But like I've always said that I could never be a a lawyer because like, let's say I'm like the defense attorney and then the prosecutor says something. I'm like, you know what? They got a point. (laughs) I kind of believe him. So no, I'm, I'm, I'm naturally gullible, but I'm also like, um, I know I'm aware of that. So I think that's what makes the show really interesting too, because a lot of people would just be judgmental from the get go. And then that, that's the end of a conversation. If, if like somebody feels like you're challenging them or if you're, um, trying to be combative, I mean, people are not going to open up to you. And I think that the fact that I'm willing to hear them out is what's interesting about the show. And that's probably why I get people to say things on my show that uh, you won't hear anywhere else is because in a way I'm kind of disarming them too. You know, it's like, it's like I have to do a lot of the the same things that the con artist does to their, their victims, but I got to do it to them, you know, in order to, to get information out. So it's a fun project. Yeah, I cannot recommend this podcast enough. I was so excited to team up with you, Javier, and find a movie about con artists that seems like pseudo kind of accurate. Yeah, this is great. I I love it. I'm so glad that we had the chance to talk about this one. And it's been a movie that I haven't watched in a long time, so it was really cool to revisit it. Yes. Oh, this is – see, I get to watch it for the first time, but I help people watch it again when they haven't seen it in a while. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope that if your audience hasn't watched it, to give it a shot. And if you have seen it, just watch it again. Trust me, we spoiled everything for you, but we spoiled nothing because it's it's, it's a movie you can watch 10 times. You and, have to. And love it. Well, Javier, I have to um, I have to go because, you know, it's my – I have a big surgery tomorrow. Oh, no. Everything, everything all right? I, you know, if I just had $50,000, my, my heart would be <laughs> You see, I'm so gullible. Oh, my God. I totally fell for that. You totally I can't believe it. I totally fell for that. Jesus Christ. I you learned. See, you are, you are, this, the con is strong with you. Yes. Until next I'm time, listeners, con. when I con the next guest. Hey everyone, Sean, your producer here. Thanks for tuning in for another week of Jackie Watches Stuff. We are hosted by Jackie Vitrano and produced by me, Sean Flynn. Our guest this week was Javier Leva. You can find Javier on his podcast, Pretend Radio, a true crime documentary podcast about people pretending to be someone else. Check it out wherever you get podcasts or at pretendradio.com. Jackie Watches Stuff is made possible by listeners like you. If you like the show, 
leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps new people find the show. And don't forget to share us with your family and friends. If you'd like to support us monetarily, join our Patreon. It helps us cover the costs of recording, producing, and publishing this podcast and funds Sean's $50,000 psychiatrist visits. Visit patreon.com slash Jackie Watches Stuff for all the details, including how you can get a shout-out on the show. We'd like to take a moment to thank our Academy-level supporters on Patreon for their generous, ongoing support of the show. Thanks to Lindsay, and Logan, and Donna, and Thomas, and Hannah, and Mick, and Missy, Paul, Brianna, Jarrett, and Linda. Jackie Watches Stuff is available wherever you listen to podcasts or on the web at JackieWatchesStuff.com. You can also send us your thoughts on Dirty Rotten Scoundrels on Twitter. We're at Jackie Watches. Thanks for listening, and join us next time when Jackie Watches Mighty Ducks. <laughs> <laughs>